Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. for the White House. Uh, They are like bumbling and fumbling and all over the place. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, is no circle back Saki. She's no uh, Ari Fleischer either. Uh, She's no Joe Lockhart. She's no uh, Marlon Fitzwater, if you want to go back. She's none of those. She was like today, it was like, uh, 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 uh. I mean, I have never heard somebody like so fumbly and so bumbly. And at first I thought, gosh, this is just horrible. This woman is just a disaster. They need to get somebody else. And then I thought, no, 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 she's actually perfect because maybe they're not even telling her because there was one of these questions where they were asking her, hey, how come the president uh, didn't, you know, why did they first call the White House when they found classified documents? Why not? DOJ. And then the White House wants us to believe that the president doesn't know. It was like, you know, who's on first, who's on second, the Abbott and Costello. And she was like, ah, 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 ah. And then I thought, I actually feel a little sorry for her because I actually feel that she is very much probably in the dark, probably doesn't know. And I don't think there's actually a good answer for the fact that now these documents are showing up on much of the eastern seaboard. You know, it's like, How do you explain it? There's not really any way to put lipstick on a pig. And that's what she's trying to do. And it ain't pretty. You know, no matter what, you still got a pig. So either way, she's got a tough job. And it is a very, very difficult one these days. And today she got a lot of incoming. And we're going to play some of the comments in just a few moments because I really firmly believe as this just advances more and more and more that the Democrats are trying to seal Joe Biden's fate. I really think it is just so obvious that they don't want him to run. They keep saying how serious it is, because guess what? It is serious. We all see it. We all feel it. And it's obviously a huge, huge issue. But as we're looking at all of that and we're trying to, like, make sense of it all, on the same hand, Joe Biden, when he was speaking on Monday— Didn't he sound like he was giving a stump speech when he was there before MLK, when he was there at that MLK Day celebration? It was like, it was just odd because he was sitting there like, and when I did this and when I did that, it had almost nothing to do with celebrating this great American, Martin Luther King Jr. It was his birthday on Monday and the whole thing sounded like one big political stump speech. So I'm not sure if Joe Biden got the memo But it seems that most people, at least in the Democratic Party and a lot of people in America, have gotten the memo and are pretty fed up with this president because he can't seem to give a good, clear answer. 
And so tonight we're going to talk about a lot of the lingering questions and also the fact that the White House now, it turns out again, that the first call when they found these classified documents were to the White House, to the White House. And people are saying, well, why didn't you call if you really cared? Why didn't you call the Department of Justice? Why didn't you call the National Archives? They didn't do that. And now they still want us to believe that President Biden is out of the loop. Yet they called the White House counsel's office, and you're telling me they didn't tell the President of the United States and didn't say what the kind of documents were? All of this justifies logic. And now the press, even some of the folks on the liberal side, have kind of gotten a wake-up call that, huh, maybe there's something wrong because they're sitting there and they're hearing all these details that basically the president and all these folks knew on November 2nd, we didn't find out until well after the midterms. We're talking two months after the midterms. They clearly saved it. DOJ knew. Why did they sit on it before the midterms? How dare they decide when it's something that's tied to Hunter Biden or something that's tied to Joe Biden? Well, then let's suppress it. But if it's anything tied to anybody tied to Trump, bring it on. You know, let's send the guns blazing. So I think this has been an enormous wake-up call of just how politicized the DOJ has become and just how dangerous the situation is now. What are your thoughts about all of this, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. By the way, in the next hour, too, we are going to have my longtime colleague and friend, Greg Kelly, you see him all the time. First of all, he's all over on radio. He's on the Red Apple Audio Network as well. Also a great host on Newsmax. And he has an awesome new book out called Justice for All. Greg is going to join us in the next hour. And he's going to be talking about the left's heavy-handed approach against police and why this is happening right now, this massive war on police that we're seeing across the country. And some of the numbers about the attacks, and these are fatal attacks on police, are just downright disturbing and frightening. Not just, obviously, for police, but for all of us, because they are there to keep us safe. So we've got some stunning information on that. We're going to be talking about that in the next hour. Meantime, speaking of stunning, it's like drip, 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 and more details that basically Biden's attorneys didn't have classified clearance that maybe only one of three or four of them had classified clearance. And people are still wondering, why did the attorneys go to check his offices? Why were they doing that at that time on November 2nd? It doesn't make any sense. Like why suddenly just a few days before the midterms where again, they thought they were going to get creamed. Remember they thought it was this huge red tidal wave and probably lots of subpoenas and everything else. Why suddenly were they clearing out his office? And again, why wouldn't you have sent just basic moving people or an assistant or somebody like that? Why are you sending like 500 to $1,000 attorneys to go clear out your offices right before the midterms and the documents just happen to relate to Ukraine, China, Iran, Uh, You know what? I don't believe in coincidences. There is still so much to the story, and it's so bad that David Gergen, who is a diehard Democrat, he was with the Clintons forever, 
that he says this is really, 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 really bad for Biden. And, you know, when you lose David Gergen, you basically lost everybody. Take a listen. How big a mess is this for the Biden administration? It's very, very big, not legally, but politically. It's a very, very big deal. Um, You know, this is a president who was marching upward. For the first time in his presidency, he's got his numbers up. People are feeling better about the economy. There are all sorts of reasons to believe that he could, that he can now present himself. The fears that people like me have about how old is he and can he govern well, those fears will be dissipated if he were able to stay on that track. Mm. But now along comes this, 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 this gigantic story, which was totally unexpected, and it's knocked that knock for six, yeah. the original plan. This is a gigantic story. So, I mean, when you sit there and you hear that, you go, whoa, you know, that you're hearing it from somebody like a David Gergen, who clearly is sitting here and saying, you know what? This is a guy who, like, always supports the left. He's like a diehard lefty. And yet he clearly sees that the writing is on the wall and this is big time trouble. Meantime, if you were a fly on the wall at the White House press briefing today, boy, did things get pretty dicey. Um, Take a listen to this question, first off, again, about that first phone call. This is the first phone call that the lawyers made when they discovered the documents. And this is CBS News reporter Steve Portnoy asking Corinne Jean-Pierre. Take a listen. The reason I ask is is that what we now know, the, the president's counsel statement, the president's personal lawyer statement, Shed a bit more light on this, but they raised more questions. Uh, namely, the first call that the president's personal attorneys made on November 2nd was not to the FBI that they had found what we now know were top secret documents out in the open. The first call was to officials here at this White House in the West Wing. How is that the right thing? Is that the right thing when you see some, if you're a lawyer and you're, you don't have a security clearance and you see a classified document, shouldn't you call the Justice Department's national security office right away again i'm going to refer you to the white house counsel's office that is something for them to answer that is a very specific question uh, that they should answer that they will engage you with in other words i don't want to answer it because i have no clue and so here is another example because by the way the white house was basically putting out the word that the GOP was faking outrage in this case, that there really isn't any reason to be upset that classified documents are hanging out by a Corvette in the president's Wilmington garage, and that also documents were basically in a very unsecure location at the Penn Biden Center in D.C. No, don't worry about any of that. And they basically put out the word, the White House, that the GOP is trying to create outrage over the story. In other words, it's okay to tar, feather, and run over Trump. Don't worry about that. You know, but if you're upset about Biden, there's something wrong with you, basically. Like, that's a fake. That's a phony. Don't fall for it. Are you kidding me? To me, this is so outrageous. And listen, this is how bad it is that now another reporter asked about that. The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, and I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know. Right. He said that he was surprised and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president 
on this issue. Now, anything else, anything beyond that, uh, we're just not going to talk about. There's an investigation going on. There's a legal process here, as we've been very, very clear about. Uh, I will let the White House counsel uh, talk about any specific details uh, about that. Uh, but we're going to be prudent here and make sure that we are not uh, interfering in this process. That, to me, is such a double standard. On one hand, you know, he was so surprised about it. But then on the other hand was, you know, takes classified documents so seriously. If you take them seriously, you know where they are. And they're like in big blaring letters on a folder. I mean, it's pretty obvious when they're there, when they're not there. And that's why this is such a joke. And clearly, she doesn't know what to say. The White House has basically left her like a floundering fish. And she's just trying to like swim upstream for even an inch just to stay above water because it is not looking good. And they don't have any good answers right now. So is there something that in your mind bothers you more than others? And what makes it stand out to you right now that even the Democrats seem to be kind of ready to throw Biden over the bus. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Jim. Line one. Jim, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. What I think is a scary part about this is what if these documents are just the scraps, the things that were left over, that, that there was so many more and more important, dangerous things in this country that the Chinese, the Iranians, and the Ukrainians took. These are just the leftovers. What about, you know, he's got millions and millions of dollars. There could have been so many more important classified documents that are gone. You know, that's a great point. So that these may have just been sort of what was there, not what you think what may have been sold. Is that what you're alleging? Exactly. What what may have been sold? This is, to me, this is, these just scraps, the left behinds, all the things that were really of value to our enemies are gone, have walked, have flew the coop, you know. And this isn't just this is the tip of the iceberg. If we really wanted to look into this, this should be almost like a Nuremberg-level trials for what the Clintons sold, you know, the Clinton, what the Clintons sold to the Chinese. Hillary, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, letting the, the Russians buy so much of our, of our uh, uranium. Obama sending billions of dollars in cash to the Iranians in the middle of the night. These things are just, you know, if you think about these as a rational person, this is treason. These things are on a treasonous level between Biden, the Clintons, and Obama. As far as Karine Jean-Pierre, she just checked the right diversity boxes. She's a wannabe polished liar. Jen Psaki was a good polished liar. She's a wannabe that just, she's like ducking and diverting. She, she doesn't know what to say, so she diverts. She diverts everything. You know, she can't. She has no answer. She, oh, you have to ask this one. You have to ask. Well, the president said this. She has no answer. So she's just like a, a person who's just ducking and covering at a fight. Well, so that's why, people- That's why, Jim, like uh, that's why I feel like, uh, you know, she's not in a heavyweight bout. I mean, maybe she's in a heavyweight bout, but she's a lightweight in the ring. And I think just to your point, part of me, as you heard what I said, I feel a little sorry for her because today those questions that I just played for you guys That was a CBS reporter and an NBC reporter. So those are, you know, mainstream media who are usually, you know, kissing up to the president and the left wing administration. And yet it is so bad and so obvious, like you just said, and such a 
a concern for national security because we don't know how many more documents are out there. We don't know who saw them. Uh, we don't know if the gardener and, again, if the painter uh, saw them in addition to Hunter and whoever else may have seen them. We don't know. Um, and by the way, a lot of people were coming in and out of that house during that time. Just the garage area. Hunter was fixing the engine on the Corvette. You can't make this up. You know, was it like, hey, Bob, you fix the engine while I go look through these documents, you know? I mean, who knows what was going on there? There are so many questions. So you're right. She's in a tough spot. And I think it needs a heavyweight to respond to heavyweight questions. Jim, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. taking your calls on the Rita Cosby show as more questions are coming about these documents, the classified documents. Now we know at least again, four batches of them and still so many questions. Uh, Jim Jordan, who's chair of the judiciary says that they will definitely look into the politicization of the DOJ and the FBI. We know that James Comer, who's head of the oversight will look into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And now there are just so many questions about stories about even funds from China and elsewhere making their way to places like University of Pennsylvania. There was a report that I was seeing earlier from Peter Flaherty. He's with the National Legal and Policy Center. And he said that there was basically a complaint, according to him, to the Department of Education when $14 million suddenly came into University of Penn around that time when Joe Biden got there, they got a total of about $60 million plus between 2013 and 2019, with the bulk coming in after Joe Biden set up that Penn-Biden Center. Who was the person who made the $14 million donation? Was it somebody who was dealing with Hunter? Lots of questions tonight. one 800 848 Two. 1-800-9848-9222. Let's go to Larry. Line four. Larry, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. You know, I was thinking, um, we're, we're sitting around asking all these questions. Uh, you know, uh, what about this? Like, like, we're like, we're like pigeons perched on a ledge. We are powerless to do anything but watch and, and ask questions. Now, if you contrast this with Watergate, what happened with Watergate? First, Nixon did the cover-up behind the scenes, and then the government, the Justice Department, unraveled the, the cover-up. Uh, even, though the, even though John Mitchell, the Attorney General, was involved, from my recollection, nevertheless, the Justice Department was still uncompromised enough to unravel the cover-up. Here, we're watching the government, the entire government, engage in a cover-up right before our eyes. We're sitting here powerless. It doesn't matter if Biden takes a hit. Because he's looking for an easy exit, and they're looking to give him an easy exit. The the key is to to have indictments. We're not going to get indictments because of this cover-up. So what we have to do is publicize to everybody that the government is engaging a cover-up before our very eyes, and we're powerless to do anything about it. Yeah, the key is also where this goes. I mean, that's the question, too, because... 
it depends where it's leading. I just brought up the point, Larry. I find it really interesting that so many Democrats, a lot of them are pretty forthcoming in the fact. I mean, you just heard David Gergen basically saying this is a very big mess for Biden, um, which is a pretty strong comment. So it could depend where the Democrats go. If the Democrats basically say, yeah, have at it, uh, do some more investigations or, yeah, I agree, those records should be subpoenaed. Uh, Joe may find himself in hot water sooner than later. So that's why I think it's interesting that it's not just one side at this point uh, complaining about Joe. Of course, he still sounds like he's running. So how is this going to work out? This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a powerful story coming from New York, where police on Long Island rescued a man desperately clinging onto a capsized kayak while struggling from hypothermia, and it happened on Sunday. Nicholas Shakalis, a 34-year-old Plainview resident, was with his cousin and a friend hunting that morning when the accident happened. He used a kayak to retrieve a duck in the water that they had shot. All of a sudden, the kayak flipped over in a bay. He said, it happened so fast, it must have been a gust of wind that took me because it was the blink of the eye, and then I was suddenly in the water. Now, once in the water, Shakalis flipped the kayak over twice but couldn't get back in. He was exhausted, so he took his life preserver off and clung to the kayak, using it as a flotation device. Stuck in frigid waters for about 40 minutes, he knew that his time was running out. He said, I wasn't really moving anywhere. And that's when I knew you have to hold on for your dear life. You are not getting out of this unless somebody else comes. Well, thankfully, Shakaliska's friend and cousin had called 911 from the shore around 8.45 a.m., And a Suffolk County police helicopter responded with a rescue team. When I heard the helicopter above, it was like a guardian angel had landed, he said. And police officer Jonathan Jensen, who, by the way, is a rescue swimmer with the police department's emergency services section, jumped right away into the water and he brought Shakalis to safety. Uh, Jensen said the officer, it was a little scary seeing the condition that he was in. He was verbal but he didn't really have use of his limbs at all anymore. He was barely holding on to that kayak. So how great that he was able to save him and bring him to safety. By the way, Shakalis was immediately transported to a hospital and treated for hypothermia, and authorities say has made a full recovery. That is incredible. And thanks to the great, great work of the folks at the Emergency Services Department of the Suffolk County Police Helicopter Unit. Bravo, bravo, bravo to all of the great law enforcement. And by the way, again, also in the next hour, we're going to be talking to 77 WABC radio host, Red Apple radio host, and also author of a great new book called Justice for All about the left's war on police because there are so many things. There's now a police chief in Los Angeles who basically says he's going to get rid of the thin blue line flag. That flag that when we see it, I get emotional when I see that thin blue line flag because it represents so many courageous men and women who are fighting to defend all of us. And now a police chief who's a left-leaning guy, he got one complaint and he's succumbing to sort of woke ideology. 
So we're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. That is in the next hour, and you don't want to miss it. Meantime, do you think President Biden is in big-time trouble? First off, we were just talking about the fact that David Gergen, who's like a diehard Clintonite, well, this is what he had to say. He said, you know what, this looks pretty fishy for Joe Biden. Take a look. As matters now stand, that long delay in putting it out there is going to encourage people to believe, well, what are they hiding? Yeah. And that's where they, I, 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 there's a temptation in every one of these kind of crises to hunger down. Mm. And it's the wrong temptation. It's the wrong temptation to listen, to, look, look to. You're going all the way back to Iran-Contra and other crises like that. You've just got to get the facts out. Yeah. What, these are the facts we know. There's some facts we don't know. And we'll keep you posted. And we'll keep you posted. But they're like, uh, 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 the president's been transparent. Uh, 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 he's doing everything right. Uh, but he doesn't know anything. I mean, that is not an acceptable answer. In the American public, we deserve better. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's get Robert from Philly. Line three. Go ahead, Robert. Your thoughts about all this. How you doing, Rita? Um, I'll be quick, but I wanted to make two quick points. Um, but so I said that this just smelled fishy. It looks like it's fishy. I said that make a point of special counsel would give the Washington Fembot the chance to refer all questions to the Department of Justice. That's happened. And what I'm going to say to the Republicans, as like I said last night, keep your eyes on the prize. Do not impeach this guy. Okay, I know it. A lot of my Republican friends are going to have a problem with that. But if we try to impeach him, it will be from Biden being the Democrats problem to being our problem. Let him twist until 2024. Impeaching him will do no good. We will lose in the Senate and it won't change anything, even if we get rid of him. After all that said and done, when Biden is gone, watch how the Democrats and the media say everything's not going well. But we didn't know Joe was not up to the job, and they're going to try to blame it all on him when all he was was an unwitting rubber stamp for what they wanted to do all along. And I'm just going to keep calling about stuff like this. Thank you for the time, and as always, have a great night, Rita. Thank you very much, Robert. You are always really uh, observant. I think always put some great stuff. Thank you so, so much. And by the way, um, also to Robert's point about the politics of it all, this is fascinating. There's a new poll out. Um, It's the WPA Intelligence Survey, and it basically shows that if a rematch were held, and this is kind of stunning, this was released on January 13th, um, the survey, the poll was taken, though, between January 2nd and January 8th, so it hadn't really broken yet. Uh, This is sort of a little bit pre-leaks of all the stuff with the documents, and if you look at the timing of it, yeah, it's a little it's a little bit before, obviously, the whole thing sort of started trickling out. It was just barely trickling out at that point, if at all. And basically what it shows is that if a rematch happened of the 2020 presidential contest, Biden would prevail over Trump, according to this survey. Um, it was 49 to 41 percent. But if it was a Biden-DeSantis matchup, then DeSantis would win 45 to 42 percent. Now, that, again, was done. Basically, the poll was taken essentially just literally in the days leading up to most of these releases that happened about the document. So I bet if this poll happened today, I bet you the numbers would be a lot closer on Biden and Trump and maybe even Trump would be ahead. I just think this has been devastating 
for President Biden. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete. Line four. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Exactly what you just said. I mean, Trump did in 2016. Did anybody think he had a chance? I mean, I was the only one running around with a couple of my friends saying, oh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. I got a friend of mine in Florida right now. He's out there enjoying the good life. They're going to be out there for two weeks. Diehard Trump fan. He got he got uh, put in jail on uh, the Facebook about 12 times for preaching about Trump. They investigated him. They came, they tore his flags down in front of his house. All the stuff that went on. By, by the man, way, by the way, Pete, they did more to yeah. him than they've done to Joe Biden so far. You know? right. I mean, that's, that's amazing right. when you talk about ringer. that. <laughs> yeah, they put him through the ringer and a diehard. I mean, the signs he put on his property, all the Democrats that lived across the street, they were like throwing rocks at his house and stuff. But, uh, who would have thought? I mean, and, and, and come on, everybody's got to get serious. Look how great this country was doing with the uh, jobs and uh, the stock market and everything. Now the market's up and nobody's making money. I, I can't figure that out because all the stocks that us poor common people have are going nowhere, you know? I mean, really. And then all the stocks that you can't afford, like the baby bells and stuff, you know, when the uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, they're all up, but who could afford to have them? I mean, you got to but but, it, but, it, but if you hear him, Pete, by the way, if you hear President Biden talk about the economy, it's like, no, the economy is great. And in fact, that was the one thing that was interesting because they were asking about like the outrage, you know, oh, the GOP are outrage. And they're like, uh, you know what? That's fake outrage. You guys need to focus on the fact that the economy is great. You know, as if that like justifies, you know, uh, and first of all, it ain't great. You know, I don't know what he's talking about. So it definitely isn't great. That's one. And two, you know, it's like they just don't want to focus on the facts because the facts look so unbelievably bad. I mean, it's shockingly bad. And I think if this poll were held today, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, Pete, I actually do think it would be different. Don't you? I think it would look markedly I do. I different. Do. I mean, DeSantis is a great man, but he's down the road. OK, we need Donald Trump. He's a businessman. He already did for four years. He made this country. He said he's going to make it great. He made it great. And now what are we going through? This is miserable. I mean, my wife and I are looking at ourselves right now and going like, this is living. This is just existing. People wake up. You need him back. He's got to straighten this country out. Two more years of the damage that this man is doing to this country. I don't know if he could do it. I, by the way, Pete, Pete I don't know how it. many documents we could find in the next two years. Look how many we they found in the last week. <laughs> they got to tear out the floorboards. Look at the gas tank, because I bet you there's no gas in it. Probably stuck with documents. They should subpoena that car. I think that car is going to tell us something. Yeah, there. Who knows what's in the wheels? Good point. Yeah, Good point. And then you should look at the toilet bowl. There's no water in the, the thing. You got to look in the toilet bowl. Search everything. Scour Search the place. The toilet bowl that's on top. Everything. Go, go for it. Scour, Pete. I love you. Thank you very much. And by the way, as Pete was talking about, uh, it doesn't look good. And and imagine just two more years of this. And if you could hear today, again, these questions that I was playing for you, these were mainstream media folks coming back and just hitting them left and right and left and right. And also listen to this. This is James Clyburn. James Clyburn is the congressman from South Carolina. And he's sort of like, you know, one of the legends there of the uh, Senate, if you will, African-American. African-American vote was very important for Biden to win the South Carolina primary, which ultimately basically sent him on to the presidency. So 
he owes a lot to James Clyburn. And James Clyburn has been unbelievably loyal to Biden. So listen to this comment from James Clyburn talking the other day about the documents. Even he's worried about Biden. Oh, there's no question. The, 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 the uh, reporting of all this uh, undercuts uh, all of our, uh, our credibility uh, as, as Democrats when it comes to uh, this kind of an issue. Yes, it undercuts it. But the reporting uh, sometimes is a little, little more sensational uh, than it ought to be. But he admits it does undercut the message, and that isn't a good thing right now when Biden was just about to launch his presidency. Do you think he still will run again? Do you think he will really announce that he's going to run again? Or is this just tamper things so bad because he's hearing Hunter's going to be subpoenaed? And there's word, in fact, in the last few hours that the GOP is planning to talk to Biden family members, whether it gets to a subpoena or whether they would just request an interview with them. But they are definitely saying that Biden family members are certainly on the radar and fair game to be questioned, especially anybody who walked through that house and probably many family members, including Hunter, who was living there, went through that house. So they basically have fair game now to interview many of them. And Congressman Jim Jordan says this is pivotal for the American people to have confidence in this president. I do not know why they initially discovered this, why they went looking in the first place. Why was it his lawyers packing boxes? I think there are all kinds of questions. I I, I don't know that we know the answer to that, but I think the American people are entitled to the answers to those questions, particularly in light of what happened 91 days before the midterm election, when when, when President Trump's home was raided. That that was information the country had all kinds of access to, but not this. But not this. So we need to find out what exactly Were the documents uh, to the point that the other folks who were calling earlier were basically saying, are they all there? Is there more missing? I tend to think we're going to be hearing about a lot more because look how recently we've been hearing about more and more and more. And apparently now they're checking many other Biden locations to see what else is there. Let's go to Chris in Texas. Line five. Chris, your thoughts. Hello. Hi, Chris. What do you think? Well, I'm a little bothered by the fact that they're rolling over way too easily. This is like, this is almost like a serial killer who's willing to take a petty theft charge. Something's not right about this whole thing. They're they're too cooperative. There's very little. Who, wait, wait, wait. Who's who's cooperative? The, the the Biden folks. Normally, they wouldn't be cooperating like this. Think about it, Rita. If you're if you're involved in some malfeasance with possible felony, you wouldn't be this helpful. This is way too helpful. Way too helpful. Well, see, I disagree. You know why? Because if you believe the story, Chris, and again, we don't know because we weren't there. We're just trusting the attorney's opinions. Basically, they say that as soon as they got it, now we're finding out they call the White House, not the archives in DOJ. At first, it sounded like they called them, but now they call the White House. And at that point, a lot of people knew about it. So once more than one person knows, and maybe there were a couple different attorneys that were in there and some of them Uh, with an honest mind that said, hey, we got to report this. So, I mean, who knows how many discussions, but I'm not sure if I would say cooperative. Uh, Let's go to Teddy, line two. Ted, your thoughts about this? Uh, Yes, Rita, I'm going to take issue with it. Uh, It's so funny, Rita, that when Trump was caught with documents for months that weren't returned and they were he was reluctant he listened to that word. I want the audience to listen. Be 
DJ Don Norm Pete. Okay, he was reluctant to return the documents. Okay, and his lawyers were reluctant. Unlike, don't get me wrong, what Biden did was not correct. Okay, but they his lawyers. Return them all, are returning them all with no hesitation. Rita. We don't know that, Teddy. Hold on one second, because we don't know that. We only know what they are telling us, and they're telling us that they found them, and then they said they found them all, they searched everything, and then, surprise, they found a few more just a few hours before they announced a special counsel. They also didn't report it right away. They waited a few days. They called the White House before they reported it. And then also, we are trusting their judgment. I mean, how do we know that they were found where they say they were found? How do we know that? And second of all, they were clearly not in a secure place. I actually think in many ways it's worse, Teddy, because at least in the Trump location, it was there where there are Secret Service hanging around. There aren't Secret Service hanging around the Penn Biden Center. There aren't Secret Service, at least there weren't, uh, hanging around the Wilmington, Delaware home for a long time. You look at some of the pictures, even from like it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago, there were like no Secret Service. Uh, Apparently, those documents were there for a long time. And the documents, even by Biden's own admission, he said, I inadvertently mishandled them. He admitted he mishandled them. They were just sitting there at the end of the garage. You can basically see them. Uh, It looks like in, in some sort of pile. That's the way he even describes it. I mean, we don't know if we're seeing the actual pile, but we do know that they're just kind of stuck there, that's, that is not secure. And when you have documents, at least in the case of Trump, they said, hey, would you put another padlock on it? And he did. So, I mean, at least they knew where it was and it was in a, a secure location. Biden just had him laying around, it seems like, all over the place. So, you know, we don't know. There's so many unanswered questions at this point, Teddy. And that's why I think the American public, wherever this goes, they deserve answers. Ted, Thank you very much. I always love hearing from you. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. And the White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre getting hammered today from all media, including, listen to this question, from Steve Portnoy of CBS News, basically saying, why is the White House counsel, why are they basically blocking everything and not giving us answers? Uh, they shouldn't even be involved. Take a listen. Why is it the matter of this White House counsel to deal with documents from two administrations ago? These are, we're not talking about presidential records from this White House. Why is this White House counsel involved in this matter at all? Again, this is something for the White House counsel uh, to address. I'm not going to address that from here. I will refer you to them, and I will refer you to the special counsel and anything that's, that is specific to this particular issue. Yeah, in other words, I know nothing like Sergeant Schultz. one 800 848 and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Ed on line four. Ed, go ahead. Your thoughts, my friend. Oh, lovely, Reed. It's good to talk to you. You too, my friend. Thank you. <clears throat> Big shout out to Norm. I agree with him most of the time, oh, almost all the time. But uh, I have it from a reliable source that Hunter was the guy who dropped the dime on his dad about the documents. Ah, now why, well, who told you that and why do you think it? My brother-in-law's sister works for the Treasury Department. She lives down in Virginia. That's the scuttlebutt around the office. 
Oh, that's and where she works for the Treasury. So why that hunter? What was upset that what dad was? What's the reason? Yeah, he didn't like paying $50,000 a month for a house that he owned. Yeah, by the way, that would be a problem with anybody. Yeah. Also, Although Hunter's also, got a lot of problems, Ed. There's no question. Also, it's not like he's uh, tiptoeing through the tulips. You know, he's not Lily White. Also, Hunter is uh, uh, fighting to have his uh, illegitimate daughter not use the Biden name. He's not doing it to be mean. He, he knows what the, the end game is. And he doesn't want his daughter burdened with the Biden name because it's not going to end well. Well, and, by, know, by the way, I would agree. If, if like Hunter uh, Biden was my daddy, I'd be like, uh, I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> and, yeah, and tell Stan and Teddy they should go jump in a lake because they're so wrong all the time. But at least they're consistent, Ed. you got to give them credit. They're consistently <laughs> they're entertaining. wrong. entertaining. I'll give you that. <laughs> Ed, thank you. Always great to hear from you, my friend. Thank you. Let's go to BJ. Line two. BJ, go ahead. It's like uh, itchy and scratchy, Stan and Teddy, you know, uh, they they uh, they agree together in concert. Look, this is who, wait, who itches by... and who scratches. Exactly, you tell me <laughs> from from the Simpsons, you know, yes. the itchy and scratchy show. <laughs> yep. But uh, I tell you, this is driven by the Congress and their hearings. DOJ, we, we know from history, we can't rely on them. They let Hillary slip through their hands. Uh, they uh, uh, dragged all this business uh, uh, with the impeachments and everything. So this this um, this is really driven by how uh, what the congressional hearings are, are, are going to uh, say about this. Uh, follow the money, you'll find the master. Fifty thousand dollars a month is a lot of rent. Ten percent for the big guy. Money, money, money makes the world go round, and uh, that's uh, that's where this leads to. Yeah, one thousand percent. By the way, I, I also uh, your saying's a good one. Follow the money, and you'll find the master. And there's so many questions. That fifty thousand dollars that you were just talking about, and Ed too. There is something so wrong and so fishy about that. Why would you pay $50,000 on a house that's worth 5000 basically, max? Unless maybe there's some top-secret documents in there. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tonight, it seems there is a big war on police and some really heartbreaking numbers to me that are just downright scary, not just for law enforcement officers everywhere, but really for all of us because we depend on them to keep us safe. And they are clearly targets of these revolving door criminals who are just getting more and more emboldened. They feel that they can kind of do anything, get away with anything. Uh, the judges are treating them softly. The prosecutors are allowing them to also come in and out of the judicial system. And poor law enforcement are just basically trying to hold their own and just go to work every day and come back safe. And it's getting tougher and tougher. Case in point, some new really scary numbers just came out that show that last year, 
65 police officers were shot to death. Most of those also in ambush shootings. That is a 21% increase of shootings. Why is there a war on police? I contend there are so many issues at hand. It's this demonizing of police officers. It's this constant trashing of police officers. It's this, you know, mocking of police officers. It's the Black Lives Matter protesters, pigs in a blanket, that kind of rhetoric. Um, It's the people who were going up against the police officers, even in the riots of 2020. And when they did it, they got bailed out two minutes later. We have to start respecting authority. I mean, when I grew up, you know, I always I would I would have been scared to go after a police officer. I'm still scared to go after a police officer because I respect them so much. We should all be saying thank you for what you do to keep us safe. Thank you for helping us. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? When I see police officers, by the way, on the street, I walk over and I say thank you. I so appreciate you being here. I know your job is tough. I bought cups of coffee. Uh, I bought a McDonald's sandwich for one of them. I'll do whatever I can because I feel it's the least we can do as citizens just to say thank you. And you know what? Every single time, a lot of times they act surprised. And I say, I hope you hear this all the time. And they're like, actually, sadly, we don't. Most of the time, we never hear this. And how sad is that, that many of them are out there not making a lot of money, working on the front lines to protect all of us. And their job is getting tougher and tougher Every single day. And they're always getting second guessed. I mean, that's the other thing. They got now these sort of woke internal affairs board that basically call them into question at every single turn. They can also get exposed to lawsuits often from individual citizens. And then you see these protests left and right. There's a protest now going on in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that is where, remember when Barack Obama, that whole case happened with Henry Louis Gates, And Barack Obama immediately said when he was president, oh, I support Henry Louis Gates versus the cops. Turned out it was just a mistake, an honest mistake. There was a lot of confusion. They had the famous beer summit afterwards. So there was a little bit of a kumbaya, which was great. But still, that area and everywhere is really a tinderbox for police officers. And now there's a case where a man was lunging, uh, I believe it was with a knife, at officers. They asked him to put it down. He wouldn't. He kept lunging, kept lunging, and they shot and killed him, trying to defend themselves. And now the police, there are protests all over the place saying, why did you kill that person? Well, obviously, it needs to be investigated. It needs to be checked out. We need to find out all the details of every story. Every case is different. But there seems to be this rush to judgment that everything is anti-police. And I think some of it also stems all the way to the White House. Here it was this week, and it was the Martin Luther King holiday, celebrating one of the greatest Americans ever. I have such incredible respect for Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, think about what he accomplished in the civil rights movement. Um, Also getting change without violence, him believing in nonviolent protest. Powerful message. I wonder what he would think of things today. And... So here is President Biden. He's at the National Action Network, Al Sharpton's group, and he doesn't praise officers. He doesn't tell people to stay away from a life of crime, to respect authority, to respect, you know, people in blue, men and women that are out there trying to protect all of us and keep us safe. No, he went after the police. I mean, it was like, where is this coming from? It's an MLK speech. 
And this is what he had to say. Listen to what Biden said at the National Action Network. It was like trashing police all over again. We have to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for de- with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. And look, to call a fresh approach to recruit and how we recruit, how we hire, how we train, how we promote, and how we retain, retain law enforcement. And then he further said, well, I am going to make sure that police officers understand that they shouldn't be using force. I mean, how else are you going to be basically going after individuals? There are ways that officers could always be trained better and learn new skills. No question about it. I have many law enforcement officers who listen to the show. But one of my favorite segments on the show that I do every night, all of you, as you know, is the back the blue. Because our men and women in blue need to know that we have their back and we support them. And they do so many amazing things that nobody in the community seems to want to talk about. They only seem to want to talk about, oh, God, how did Johnny, who basically had a rap sheet a mile long, suddenly get shot by police when he was trying to stab an officer? Well, guess what? If that person was trying to stab an officer or shoot an officer or ambush an officer, guess what? They have a right to defend themselves. But if you listen to President Biden, he's questioning that. Take a listen to what he said at the MLK event. And as so many of you worked so hard to pass the George Floyd and, and Policing Act, but since the Senate Republicans blocked it last year, I did what only thing I could do. I signed a historic executive order that included key elements of that bill for the federal, at the federal level. Bans chokeholds and greatly restricts no-knock warrants. It creates a national database for officer misconduct that must be placed in the national database to tighten the use of force policies, to emphasize de-escalation. Yeah, he's sitting there, de-escalation. You're a law enforcement officer. You don't know if that stop or that arrest is your last. You never know. And that's why it is so important to understand what they face every single day. There was a Riverside County, California officer just the other day responding to a basic domestic violence call. And guess what happened? He was killed. And somebody else on that same force, that same department, was killed about two and a half weeks earlier. And now we have 64 officers just last year alone shot to death in the line of duty. 33, 331 officers shot last year. 64 fatally shot. This is a serious and a tough business, and we have to back our men and women in blue. By the way, coming up also later on in the show, we are going to be talking in just a few minutes to my buddy, uh, Newsmax TV anchor and also Red Apple audio host, a fellow colleague here at the Red Apple Audio Network, Greg Kelly. He has an awesome new book out. It is called Justice for All, basically talking about American law enforcement and what happens when they are derided and also defunded. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Line three. Dave, your thoughts. Well, I really thanks for taking my call. You know, I, I think the administration should be held accountable for being complicit and allowing uh, radical groups to, to incite violence to police. They have not done anything. The Attorney General hasn't done anything. They spend more time focusing on parents who uh, who are raising, uh, protesting against radical leftist uh, ideology uh, teachings that are going on at the schools. 
And uh, I think this is far more egregious than what I think is an artificial ruse, this, this mishandling of documents, because that's, you know, this is something, I think, more of an impeachable offense than that. And there are, of course, other more impeachable offenses that should be garnering more attention. Well, look at the border. Look at the border day, for example. I mean, as we're talking about security, national security, boy, is that a disaster. Exactly. And I I think that um, they haven't done anything. And I think that that there should be a focus on that. I I agree with you. I think it should go up to the, the White House should be held accountable. Yeah, it it is really shocking about just the degradation um, and I think the lack of appreciation for law enforcement and how they have constantly thrown law enforcement under the bus. And I think about also, obviously, after all the George Floyd case and obviously, you know, sad situation, uh, horrible situation, but they vilified all police in America. Remember afterwards, Biden came out and Kamala Harris and basically with one broad swipe basically said how racist American policing is. I mean, how does that improve police relations if that is your objective? And to basically he said, oh, I never said defund police. He's on tape saying defund the police. Yeah, that's a good idea when he's campaigning. And guess what? That's why I think he may be planning to run for president again, to run for reelection, because it's like here it is. He's making these kind of statements again which makes me think he is trying to appeal to the base somehow, and he thinks vilifying police is going to do that. And how sad is that? Well, when we come back, everybody, we are going to talk to Greg Kelly. He has a brand new book. This is his book debut, appropriately on the topic of supporting police and what happens when the far left does not do that and influences America and throws police under the bus. This has to stop. And we're going to talk to my buddy and also great, great host here on the Red Apple Audio Network, Greg Kelly, when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about the importance of supporting law enforcement in this country. And our next guest knows it all too well. He is the son of, I think, the best NYPD commissioner ever, Ray Kelly. And also Greg Kelly's life is really one of service as a basically lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves. I remember I was hosting on Fox News when Greg was on a tank going into Baghdad. And I remember we were live together at that historic moment. And Greg is one of the great defenders of law enforcement in this country. Of course, you know him from the Red Apple Audio Network, our flagship WABC, also his great show on Newsmax TV. And now he has a debut book appropriately called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Greg, great to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show, my friend. Oh, Rita, so good to be with you. Thank you so much for those kind words. And uh, yes, I do remember well you anchoring and uh, running the show in New York while I was over there in Iraq. And uh, Rita, it's uh, so much has happened, but you still remain a legendary and a superb journalist in every way. And uh, it's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Well, you too, my friend. And you had the much more difficult job being on the tank going into Baghdad. And and your life is really one of just, I think, of courage and service. And you and your family, Greg, you know, I love all of you guys so much. And I know how much you love law enforcement. And so I wasn't surprised. I love this book. Um, 
Justice for All. Tell us why you felt so strongly about talking about how important it is to have law enforcement and all these organizations, and also what happens when you don't. Yeah, you know, it was during the summer of 2020 where, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us saw uh, society coming apart. Um, Now, I'm not talking about uh, the protests, and I'm not even talking about the riots, because this country has seen uh, plenty of strife over the years. We've seen race riots. We've seen we've seen all of that. But what we never had is the entire culture excusing and even ignoring uh, the destruction of property and the harming of police officers. It was happening. It was rampant during that summer. And we had had riots, as I mentioned, and perhaps the liberal media might have had sympathy for the genesis of the riot or the grievances that were being aired. But everybody understood that a riot was a riot and a riot was bad. And that changed in 2020. And I saw some sacred institutions. uh, Some of them were corrupted and some of them were victimized. The military, and I write about this, General Milley, uh, comes out and uh, apologizes for appearing with the president Uh, He says it was misconstrued and somebody might think he was involved in domestic politics and then goes on to weigh in on every hot button domestic political issue of our time. You know, my my beloved military, as you mentioned, my my service in the Marine Corps, what was going on there and how could these men and women of law enforcement be overnight vilified? And I did some research and I really found out what was going on, Democrats and liberals and left want to take over law enforcement, and they very much would like to have, I do believe, a national police force that is owned by them, much like the teachers union, much like Hollywood leans left, academia leans left, the media lean left. They want that out of law enforcement. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, and there are things we can do to stop it, but that's their objective. Which is really scary because you think about um, even during a lot of the defund the police movement, which is still going on, uh, that they come out and basically say, well, we'll have community policing instead. And I'm thinking, yeah, uh, okay, there's a bank robbery. Let's send grandma over there to fix it. You want a cop who's trained and who knows what they're doing. How, how, what can people do to stop this who really love law enforcement like you and I do? And as you beautifully lay out in your awesome book. Well, it's a tough one, but there are three things that I think people can do, and they may sound very modest, but if we start doing them, I think that uh, we might be able to move the needle. Now, number one, um, and this applies to people of all color, but I'm talking to conservatives specifically, black, white, red, brown, whatever, but conservatives need to be more comfortable talking about race. Now, right now, there is a very silly conversation about race happening nationwide. Uh, It's a silly, unhelpful conversation to avoid having a difficult, uncomfortable one that might just be able to help people. You know, Barack Obama, for one brief shining moment in 2008, there was a lull. He had secured the nomination and he was waiting for the general election. It was before the convention. He came right out and said, we have a problem in the African-American community. We have too many fathers or MIA, too many fathers are AWOL. And that leads to often, not always, but often um, incarceration, high school dropout, Uh, illiteracy, all kinds of problems. And we have to do something about that. 
Now, he was hit hard by the left. Jesse Jackson threatened to castrate him, and he never did it again. He decided that he was going to go all in with victim culture. He didn't lead on an issue that at one point he said he really wanted to lead, uh, which was very disappointing and an opportunity lost. So we have to be more comfortable talking about that. I'm talking about conservatives, no matter what you look like, because the left dictates the parameters of that conversation. And most of us, you know, you bring up race, religion, politics at a dinner party. You know, nobody really wants to talk about that. We have to become adroit because there are there are landmines. You got to be comfortable talking about it. Know uh, know what you're talking about. Number two, I say you got to write letters. And I know this sounds corny. We're all you know pick up the phone or send a tweet or a text. But writing letters to public officials, something magic happens. Actually, believe it or not, and you get their attention. But you got to put pen to paper or computer ink to paper. And the last thing I say. As much as I support law enforcement, and I totally do, we have to remember that law enforcement serves us. They're great. They deserve our respect. Uh, they already have our admiration, most of us. Yep. But they work for us. And uh, you'll notice the Capitol Hill cops got a little bit carried away. And uh, that's the beginning of fascism. 1000%. The book is Justice for All by the great Greg Kelly. Get it. It is awesome. Come back soon, my friend. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Hero segment, where we honor our great military and their families. We just had Greg Kelly on, by the way, who I love. And make sure you get his book, everybody. And again, it is called Justice for All. And Greg is a former lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserves. Uh, So we love honoring the best of our military, like Greg and so many others. And here's another story coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, where Joseph Eskenazi, the oldest living survivor of the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor, he was told by his doctor that a heart condition would prevent him from flying on an airplane to attend a ceremony this week at the National World War II Museum in New Orleans. Well, that didn't deter the Army veteran from Redondo Beach, California, even as he approaches his 105th birthday. Eskenazi made it to the museum where he and eight other veterans were honored and shared their stories about service. And it was all thanks to a cross-country train ride with Amtrak, which was funded by the Soaring Valor Program through the Gary Sinise Foundation. The train ride rocked a little bit, and he said it threw him around, he said, as he arrived to his hotel room in New Orleans. He said, but about 81 years ago... He was thrown out of bed at 8 a.m. when he was stationed at Schofield Barracks in Hawaii, which was located, those barracks, about 17 miles from Pearl Harbor. Eskenazi, by the way, uh, his daughter said that he never really shared much about that day. She said growing up with her father, he really kept mum about the war like so many veterans. And Gary Sinise said, yes, it's not unusual for veterans to keep quiet about their time at war. There's something about being in the museum, though that allows them to open up and share their stories. By the way, uh, of course, at Pearl Harbor, over 2,300 soldiers were killed in the attack on Pearl Harbor, which eventually forced the United States 
into the Second World War. And I love always doing these stories. How beautiful that this Pearl Harbor survivor, the oldest living one, was able to go to the World War II Museum just a few days ago uh, and able to share his story and be recognized as one of the greatest in the great generation. What a powerful, powerful story. Well, you just heard, we were just talking with Greg Kelly about this vilification of police and how important it is uh, that all sides really talk, but that people really, really also appreciate the tough job that law enforcement has out there. And some of the rhetoric, um, and I agree, what Greg was just talking about was also the lost opportunity of President Obama at the time. Because President Obama, when he was elected, many people saw that he would be a bridge builder between different races. And talks about that moment that he made the comment that he got deeply rebuked for when he was trying to be critical about African Americans having unmarried, you know, unwed children, you know, uh, children out of wedlock and all the problems and the cycle that comes out of it. And then he did take a hard turn and was always very sort of often anti-police in many of the decisions and many of the comments he made. And it seems this week that President Biden is taking a similar path where he's basically vilifying the police. And it's very hard when you get that message from the top down, the effects that happen. Now, case in point, This story, to me, is absolutely heartbreaking. The Los Angeles Police Department, by the way, the guy who was elected, it's this Chief uh, Michelle Moore. Uh, He basically, by the way, was elected uh, through the Democratic Party. And even though, obviously, he's pro-law enforcement, he's the chief of police there, he is now reportedly taking down a thin blue line flag from one of the local stations after one citizen complained that the flag was a symbol of extremism and racism. A thin blue line flag, which represents our law enforcement and often fallen law enforcement, how could that be a symbol of racist, bigoted views? But that's the statement that he basically put out saying, you know, that that's what people were saying and he didn't want it to be divisive. So he's taking down the thin blue line flag I mean, how crazy are things that a chief of police is going to this extent caving to a complaint by somebody? He should say, forget about it. Our police love everybody. They're trying to protect everybody. And I'm not taking down that flag that I think represents the best of all of us. But he is succumbing. Take a listen. This is Emily Capano. She's one of the hosts on Fox News. This is her take uh, and also just her explanation from the LAPD, why they were saying it needs to come down. This is shocking, and she's basically quoting why they're taking that flag down. So when the LAPD decided last week to ban the thin blue line flag that honors fallen officers, it sparked outrage. LAPD says the reason is because it, quote, represents racist and bigoted views. That, to me, is shocking. It represents racist and bigoted views. Here it is representing our law enforcement, especially fallen, those who died in the line of duty. I was just telling you that last year, 64 officers were shot to death in the line of duty. And they can't even have a flag because it offends somebody. Are you kidding me? How bad are things that people are at this point where it's so woke or or so like uh, turned off by law enforcement? And again, some of this rhetoric starts at the top. It also starts in families. It starts at 
people during the 2020, as we were talking about, uh, even before the riots, a lot of the rhetoric that was coming out. This is so destructive and so dangerous and, to me, heartbreaking. So now about 10,000 members of the LAPD, because it's one of the biggest police forces in the country, needless to say, they are furious. They are so mad at this police chief that he would actually succumb to the complaint of basically one person and say, well, I don't want to cause division. I don't want to do this. They are so furious that they have been speaking out and saying, this is ridiculous. Chief so-and-so put this flag back up. Are you kidding me? And so far, the chief has not agreed to do so. How ridiculous is that? What are your thoughts, everybody? I know we have so many law enforcement who also listen to the show. And I'm curious if you are as outraged and shocked and disgusted as I am. 1-800-848-9222. Here is first off, this is Caitlyn Jenner who was on Fox earlier today, and this is what she said. She couldn't believe that this police chief gave in to the woke mob. Well, that's the woke media out here in California. They're going to decide what uh, they want this flag to mean and not what it really was meant to mean, and that was to remember uh, the fallen officers here in the mm-hmm. Los Angeles and LAPD. Um, and they changed the narrative, and that, that happens with everything. We see this all the time with the far left. They're trying to control the media. And out here, you have nothing but far left media. So their point gets across. And so uh, the chief more tried to play to that because it's the board, a very woke board that is going to vote on him in the next few days. Um, And he wants to keep his position. So we'll see if his strategy works. So how sad is that, that the woke LAPD board, again, which is very left, and he has a lot of left-wing supporters, that he's succumbing to that. And meanwhile, he's got about 10,000 law enforcement officers in his department that just cannot believe that he would take down a thin blue line flag. I I mean, this to me is shocking that the head of the police department, this is the sheriff. I mean, the chief of the police. Can you, I mean, uh, the chief of the police, he should just tell that person to go stick it to somewhere. Because I'm telling you, if somebody said take down that thin blue line flag, I would say, are you kidding me? Our law enforcement officers have died protecting us and serving us. And they can't even carry a flag up there at a police station. Are you, what are they, should, should they put outside that they're like a, like a, you know, a woke, a woke, uh, a woke school of uh, technology, well, then you'll be okay? Well, they should not have police cars or anything else, too? Does that bother you as well? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Caitlyn Jenner with a little more about this woke police chief. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Fire, I think you're being so versus. generous right now, and I'm, I'm grateful for you saying that. Blue line flag from the department's public areas in blue line had become too common. And if this time and uh, the chief would would want to back up his officers. Well, that well was, uh, that, uh, this is a here it is. Here it is. We got amazing a in California. And uh, uh, Chief Michelle Moore, he went woke on us big time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really hurting the morale out here in California. Well, you had a combination there. That's what we call a montage, you know, of voices. But that was Caitlyn Jenner at the end there where she said that clearly he's just giving in to the woke mob. And can you imagine the morale 
of those officers who are working underneath him. Can you imagine if you're working for a chief of police who said, yeah, I'll take down the thin blue line flag because there's a few people that are just offended and think that it's racist and bigoted. What? Police are racist and bigoted? I mean, is that what that's all about? I mean, that is preposterous. But giving in to them is not the way to do it either. That's why I also shame on this police chief. He should just tell them again to go stuff it. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Amy Freeze uh, with her take on the importance, most of all, of the flag and why we should respect it. Well, the symbol right there that you talk about, it means something. And it means something to the people who've lost officers. You go back nine years to Detective Ramos and Lou, both shot down in Brooklyn. We're on the nine-year anniversary. Do you know what Maritza Ramos, his wife, left behind? The widow has done for the last nine years. She has been out in Brooklyn doing police relations, taking things to children, taking things into neighborhoods to make those relationships wow. better. She hasn't been sitting on the sidelines. So to her, that thin blue line, it means more than even the loss of life of her husband. It means I want this not to happen again. So are we going to say to her, sorry, that symbol, you know what? It just really rubs us but, all but wrong. Yeah, I mean, that is just, it is shocking. Think about how many people have lost loved ones protecting all of us. And this chief doesn't even have the guts. He shouldn't even be in uniform. I mean, if he is this much of a pansy that he can't even like fight a few woke members of the mob, uh, how is he going to handle like uh, drug gangs? You know, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anastasia. Line one. Anastasia, your thoughts about this chief? Thank you so much for answering my phone call. I want to say I thank you even double for really praising our police because I feel the same way. I have a lot of love and I support them. And I'm outraged with this. Are you sure? Oops, Anastasia, I lost you. But I heard that you're outraged by this. Give us a call back because you dropped off. But I heard you. Let's go to Norm. Uh, Anastasia, clearly outraged. But it is a police chief who is succumbing to the, quote, woke mob because he doesn't want to be divisive. Go ahead, Norm. Okay, Rita. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, it's, it's outrageous. Anyway, but I just want to make a shout back to American Patriot Ed. Thank you for your shout out. Um, three years ago, my pro-American activism began in the summer of 2020 with a Back to Blue rally, marching across the Brooklyn Bridge to City Hall with the NYPD. Bravo. And I just want to make a sh- shout out to my friend, retired NYPD Sergeant Ray Calvo, now of Pennsylvania, who had the brains to leave this crazy city before this Marxist takeover. And my friend, NYPD police officer Jerry Bird, wherever you are. And finally, my friend and fellow RJ Health Studio member, NYPD detective um, Jeff Green, who was assassinated in the line of duty. Thank oh, you. my good. God Norm, bless you all. Norm, um, thank you for reminding us um, about just how tough it is to be a cop. And um, and I just I hear it in your voice, too. Um, and when you mentioned especially your friend Jeff Green, and I'm glad that you mentioned all their names, uh, but highlighting these great, great heroes that should never, ever be forgotten. It is so important, Norm. Um, I had two friends when I was a young uh, reporter who were executed, um, two cops, young cops that were out on just a basic beat call. And I think about them every single day. I'm still in touch uh, with family members of theirs. 
And um, they were just young cops that were protecting a rough part of town. They were doing a routine stop. And the guy grabbed one of their guns and executed both of them. And I think about them every single day, Norm. So thank you for for mentioning Jeff's name and for honoring all the law enforcement. We love you, Norm. Thank you. Um, Let's go to Jennifer uh, in Boston, line one. Go ahead, Jen. Hey, Rita. Um, I just, I adore your patriotism. I really do. Thank you. Yours too, my friend. Yours too. Uh, and, and Norm, you're the best. Oh, um, Norm is so, Norm made me cry tonight. You know, yeah, just I could hear it, beautiful. I could hear it in your voice. And I'm sorry for the hurt that, that of the loss of those precious people in your life and for all the people that loved them. Rita, I, I want to say quickly, if I could, you honored Darnell Calhoun last night. The beautiful young African American officer, thirty years old, yep. with two children at home and an expectant wife. He happened to be an African American. He used to work at the Sanford, uh, the San Diego Police Department, um, and transferred to um, Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And from what they said of him, you wouldn't. That's all I can tell you is look at his picture. People, go to the officer down memorial page. Look Look at the light of God shine through that man, Rita. He was a beautiful human being, and he was slaughtered. And you know what? Officer Keona Hawley, and, and she was in Baltimore, sitting in her car at 1.30 in the morning. She started late on the force, you know, in her later years um, because she was raising her children. And they were left orphaned because two people in the middle of the night came up and assassinated her. The same thing with that woman in New York City. These are all African-American officers. The, the woman that was sitting in her command center in New York City in that big van, and she was shot right through the windshield and shot in the head dead. African-American officers, just like white, Hispanic, Asian officers, go out there every day to do good. Look at the two, the three white officers that delivered that little African-American baby a couple of days ago. Every day there are stories of goodness that we never hear about. But if one questionable thing or they want to make something out of nothing or you should have shot at his toes and not shot to defend yourself – I'm so tired of it, Rita. I don't see anyone up stepping up to do this job. And I'll tell you lastly, my godson is a state trooper here in Massachusetts. He's, he served three combat tours in Iraq as a Marine. And the, the guy has a heart of gold, and he'd do anything for anyone. And you know what? When they were over there fighting, they were all brothers. And that's the way he sees people, and that's the way most of us do. And I'm so t- tired of these race baiters and this hate in this country and the racial division and the class division that we are allowing to be perpetuated by the elites and by our politicians. So I just want to every I want to honor every single law and office law enforcement officer that goes out there every day because where would we be without them? So Absolutely. thank you very much. Oh, Jen, thank you very much. We are so lucky to have great men and women on the force, and obviously great citizens like you who support them as I do, and I know. Uh, all of you do. Uh, they're just the best of us, I think. And it's just it, we have to like we can't succumb to this woke ideology uh, that, the you know, the folks that are out there that truly are the best of the best uh, are somehow bigoted or somehow, you know, I mean, this this is obscene and good people need to stand up and defend verbally defend our great officers. Um, we're going to continue with our calls, everybody, after the break. Jen, thank you so much. It's 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the fact that the chief of police in Los Angeles 
is planning to take down the thin blue line flag from one of its local stations. I can't believe this. That is the flag that honors, of course, our fallen law enforcement officers, basically saying that the flag has been hijacked by extremists who symbolize undemocratic, racist and bigoted views. And the complaint basically is enough for him to say, "Okay, well, you know, I'm going to take it down. I don't want it to be a symbol of extremism. How could honoring fallen law enforcement be a symbol of extremism? That, to me, is pathetic. And this chief shouldn't be a chief of police. He should be a chief of pansies. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anastasia. I see that you're back, my friend. Go ahead. Yes, my dear. First of all, this lovely lady, the last lady that spoke to you, she basically covered everything I wanted to say. I want to thank her extra for really bringing out what she feels, because there are a lot of people out there who feel this pain tonight. We all feel the pain that all these people that lost their loved ones while they were trying to do the job, if any, if they have any dignity, uh, this uh, chief police officer should put back that flag, not low, but they can, don't take it down, put it higher, because these people deserve it. No money can pay a life. They lose their life every day. Many people, and it's painful to hear this going on. It's a shame. It is. You know, Anastasia, I hear you, too, because I feel the same way. It's outrageous. And that he would succumb to that. Outrageous is not the word. I feel so terrible tonight. This flag should be flying as high as the American flag, because without these police officers, we will look what's going on because the police officers were taking away their power. It's a shame. The judicial system and everything, they got to do something. I remember the widow, Mora, Mora, the police officer. Yes. That that widow's statement, when it comes into my heart, I just feel terrible. So many people are hurting nowadays. And somehow my heart is broken, too, because my son-in-law, after three years in the force, he became disabled because he was shot very bad on the arm and he lost his right arm. And we need to support great people like your son-in-law, 1,000%. Anastasia, I, I hear your emotion. I feel it, too. And I know so many of you who are listening tonight feel the same way that we do. Um, it's outrageous. And this chief, I don't think, should be a chief anymore. And I agree with you, Anastasia. That flag should be high, you know, flying high and proud and strong. And remember, every time you walk by somebody on the street, a law enforcement, you thank them and you tell them how much we love and appreciate them. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 